Good morning. Good to see you. Isn't this cool? My cool salt company tumbler. I don't know if I should even have it up here yet. Maybe it was supposed to be a secret. I blew it, didn't I? That look tells me I blew it. You guys can't have one. Sorry. Unless maybe you come tonight. I suppose there might be one available. One or two. We'll find out. Hey, listen, glad you're here this morning. My name is Josh, and I am one of the pastors here. And uh, it's a privilege to be able to, to serve you as a pastor and uh, to lead you and to lead our team. And just, I'm really gracious for that. So thank you. Um, hey, this morning we are in the middle of a short three-week series uh, where we're looking at what we're calling our pathway. And we introduced it last Sunday, but uh, we're going to talk about it again today, specifically this idea of growing in our faith and uh, how we program for that, what we believe that looks like uh, strategically for us as a church and how we want to see you connect in that way. Um, but first off, uh, let's just review a little bit here again uh, of our mission Do you know our mission? Did you memorize it? I asked you last week if you had memorized it, and nobody had. That should have been a clue. So there's your clue for next week. See if you can memorize it, right? Our mission tells us what we're to be doing, and it goes like this. We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Do you want to read that with me? Let's read it together. We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. That's a good mission statement, isn't it? And that really sums up uh, the Great Commission where Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, that we're also sent to, to be and to work and do good for the good of our community, even if they never trust Jesus. So we're sent to love them and invite them then to follow Jesus a lot right along with us. Uh, and, and there's some reasons that we do that. Uh, these, these are what we call our values. The first reason we do that is because all of this is about Jesus. That's why we love them. That's why we invite them to follow Jesus with us. It's all about Jesus. Maybe you're new and you haven't ever thought about that or heard that before. But you need to know that all of creation, all of your life, this church, all of history uh, is about one person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Think about it. There's been no one uh, who's had more paintings painted of him, more songs sung to him, more prayers prayed to him than Jesus Christ. History literally revolves, the way we track history literally revolves around this man's life, right? B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. It's all about Jesus and your salvation and my salvation. If you have any hope, your only chance is Jesus Christ. It's all about him. Second, another reason we're sent and that we go and love people and invite them to follow Jesus is because we believe God's word, that, that God wrote it all down for us. God wrote a book and everything you and I need to live the Christian life, to live a life of godliness and and for our joy and for his glory is all written down in his word. Do you believe that? That God wrote it all down? And the other reason too, we believe that all people matter. Why? Because God tells us all people matter. No matter the color of your skin, no matter your lifestyle, no matter anything about you, you matter. You matter to us because you matter to Jesus. And the fact is that your value isn't based on your sex or your race or or anything that you've done or that's been done to you. But it's based on the fact that God created you in his image. And because you image him and you're like him in some way, you have value and dignity. And all people matter. 
not only do all people matter, but we, we invite them to follow Jesus with us because God designed us lacking something. He, he designed us to image him, but there's something about imaging him that you can't do by yourself. Do you know what it is? You cannot image the fact that he is a triune God. You can't image his trinity all by yourself. You, you, you can't image his relational nature by yourself. You need a friend. In fact, we all need friends. We're going to talk about that more this morning, about connecting uh, with other Christians and the importance of that. But you need to know that's by God's design. And then we kind of have a fifth just kind of bucket list value that we call no sacred cows. No sacred cows. That we're willing to change anything other than the gospel, other than what God has written down, because that's, that cannot be changed. But anything else, our methods, uh, the look and, and style of our facility, uh, the type of music we sing, the time and times we meet, all of that can be changed because it's not sacred. Jesus and his word is. And if we change something and it allows us to reach more people with the gospel, and you're like, I don't want to change that because I like that too much. Well, man, get your eyes on Jesus and off yourself and your preference. No sacred cows, right? And that goes for me as well as for all of us. Amen? It's all about Jesus. Well, that's our mission. That's our values. And last week we introduced something that we call our pathway. And at the broadest level by pathway, we mean uh, how are we going about it? Now, if you haven't noticed yet already, last week and this week and next week are uh, much less expository messages where we go through the text and we pull things out of the text, which we do regularly. And we'll do some of that today, but it's much more vision. It's much more, here's where we're going, here's who we are, rallying the troops, here we go. Yeah, yeah? All right. So our our pathway is how are we going about it? Well, last week week we started to introduce this, and you're going to hear these three words over and over. You're going to see them all over. And by pathway, we mean we have three things, a path, a pathway that we want every person who calls Wawasee Bible their church home to do. We want you to connect in three ways. Whether you're a member or you're an attender, whether you've been here for five months or 50 years. We haven't been here for 50 years because the church isn't that old. But you get the point, right? No matter what it is, we want you to do, no matter who you are, we want you to do these three things. And um, here's, and, and by the way, if you're, you're not doing any of them, you can start with the first one, maybe take them in order even. The first one, we want you to gather. We talked about this last Sunday, the importance of being here on a Sunday morning. The importance of gathering with God's people. That there's something unique about the way God works when his people are gathered. In fact, in the Old Testament, right, where did the people gather to worship? At the temple, right? And there was a unique place, a unique physical location on earth where God's people worshipped. Now, they worshipped other places too, but that was, that was the place. That call to worship was in his temple. Well, what happens after Jesus dies on the cross and, and raises again the that temple, the curtain in the temple that separated God's, the Holy of Holies, God's very presence on earth from everyone else was torn in two saying, now, no, no, no. The, this new paradigm started to where uh, the temple is no longer a building. The temple is a people. It's his people. There's no such thing as a sacred space on the earth anymore. Did you know that? Uh, study some theology in the New Testament. There is not a sacred space like the temple anymore. It's his people. And when and, and, and Paul talks about, he says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he says that you individually. Sometimes he says that you plural for God's people. That's 
where the Spirit is. So when we're gathered together, where two or three are gathered, there he is among us in his temple. Amen? And um, so we want you to gather. Get here regularly on Sunday mornings. Make it a priority. Uh, The second thing we want you to do is to grow. We want you to grow. We're going to talk about this one this morning. Not just show up and gather, but grow up. Grow up spiritually. Showing up's easy. Showing up's not too hard. This is where it gets a little tricky, right? We want you to grow up. We're going to see what that looks like this morning and kind of how we program for that. Third, uh, go. We want you to go and we want you to serve somewhere. So we want you to gather. We want you to be here on Sunday. We want you to, to grow. We want you to connect uh, with another ministry somehow. We're going to talk a lot about 110 groups this morning. We want you to connect in a group somewhere or a ministry somehow in our church where you are growing. That's number two. And then third, we want you to serve somewhere. We want you to serve somewhere in our church or outside of our church, but we want you to go and serve. Those three things, right? Gather, grow, go. Those are the three things that we're asking for everyone in our church. Well, today we're going to talk about growing, not just showing up, but growing up, right? Uh, You can show up your entire life, the church, and never grow up. Did you know that? You can come to church your entire life and never grow a lick spiritually. Those are some harsh things to think about, isn't it? That I can go and I can gather over and over and it can be the, 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 the custom of my life. But after 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, the truth is I'm not much more mature, if at all more mature, than I was back when I was a kid in Awana. you got to grow up. you you got to seek the Lord and grow. Sadly, this happens that people show up but never grow up way too often. And way too more than we'd like to admit. And, and let's, be, let's be blunt. Maybe uh, you're hearing this and you know in your heart, you know, you know what? That's right. That's me. That's me. I need to quit just showing up. I need to grow up. I need to get involved somewhere. I need to connect. And I say that to you lovingly. And you're, yeah, you do. And so do I. We all need to grow more and more to be like Jesus. So, um. In fact, I want to look at a passage with you. The passage, actually, I'm going to preach next Sunday, but I want to give you a sneak peek today. Does that sound good? So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. If not, it's going to be on the screen, and we'll read it. Uh, But but here's what Paul says, in case you think that I'm just making up this whole uh, don't just show up but grow up piece. Paul talks about it here. He says, he who descended, in other words, Jesus, the one who came to earth, is the one who also ascended. Uh, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And look what he did. He gave the apostles. He gave the prophets. He gave the evangelists. He gave the shepherds. He gave the teachers. Why did he give us these people? Look at verse 12. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Look at verse 12 with me there. You know, um, We're going to look at this passage, I said it next week, but you know, it's funny to me that sometimes people joke and I joke back with you. They'll be like, oh, how are you doing, Josh? It's your one day of work today, right? Because you work like one day a week and just for a couple hours on Sunday mornings and the rest of the day, what do you do? Play golf? You know, just sleep in? What else do you do? And I joke back. Yeah, it's today. It's a rough day today. Today's my one day of work. And we all know that's not true. But you know what? You know what's really funny about that? Is if our... uh, 
it just occurred to me this week, like the church is really, 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 really healthy. And verse 12 is happening. You're right. The pastor works for a few hours on Sunday morning because everybody else has grown and they're serving. They've, they grow and they go, right? Um, in other words, Paul says here that we're to grow, not just show up, but grow up. So how far does he say we should grow? Look at verse 13. He says, well, you should grow until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, you know what he's saying? He's saying, uh, you need to keep growing until you're just like Jesus. <laughs> wow, I guess even the most mature of us have a long ways to go. Huh. We all have a long ways to go. He goes on and, and it tells us not to show up, but grow up. He says, here's why. He says, verse 14, so that we, can no, we may no longer be children. Grow up, Paul says. Grow. No longer children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. How many ways are we to grow up? What's he say? Every way. How many does that include? All of them. Every one, right? Spiritually, relationally, emotionally, all of those things. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part's working property, properly, excuse me, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there you go. Paul says, don't just show up, grow up. And then he says, serve. We're going to talk about serving and going next week. But today we're talking about growing. Not that you just gather with us, but that you grow so uh, with that long introduction, let me pray, and then we're going to talk about what it looks like, how we've kind of shaped things in our church strategically uh, that we believe is the best way, hopefully, to get the most people to grow. Let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus, and thank you, Lord, that you give us instruction in your word, that we're not left to, to, to figure things out on our own, um, and that you challenge us as well as comfort us in your word. This morning, Lord, is, is really a time of challenge for us to examine our lives and to say, am I living out Ephesians chapter 4? Am I growing in my faith? Am I different today than I was 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago? And am I serving somewhere? We'll talk about that next Sunday and give some opportunity for people to serve. But today, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd help me as, uh, as we really um, review and, and cast vision and as we look at your word, uh, would you uh, bind the enemy, Lord? He would take my words and your word and twist it and accuse us and beat us down with it or cause division. Instead, help us to grow in all unity, as Paul wrote there, and uh, be all moving the same direction, Jesus, toward you. We love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So I have a question. We're talking about growing. Have you ever thought about how you grow spiritually? Have you ever thought about that process? You know, like how a, how a flower grows, right? Maybe you get a seed and you plant it and you water it and it grows. And you ever seen a time lapse of it? And like the roots all split out underneath the ground and then it kind of wiggles up out of the ground and then it busts open and then it grows and it's all beautiful. And, you know, watch Discovery Channel enough. You can see a summer's worth of growth in about 30 seconds. It's pretty cool. But how do you grow spiritually? 
because you're to grow. Now, a lot of times, you know, ideally how you would grow spiritually? Perfect line graph. After five years, I'm here. After 10 years, I'm here. And really, it's more of a, ideally, it'd be an exponential curve. Then after 15 years, I'm here. After 20 years, I'm up here. And like 25, I'm touching the ceiling, right? And I'm just, I'm just growing, man. I'm just, every day, I'm more like Jesus. This is awesome. Now, I have a question for you. How many of you, that's your experience? Raise your hand. Okay, tell me if this is more like your experience in terms of a, a graph. <laughs> that's more how we grow, isn't it? Up and down and looping around and sometimes off the chart even. Isn't it true that that's generally how we grow? It's much more organic than it is systematic. Now, we all desire for it to be systematic. I desire that for my life. I desire that for our church that it's just like... But the truth is, it's a big mess. Because we're a big mess in our sin. So... The question arises then when we talk about growth and we're talking about this in terms of strategy and the pathway for our church. um, Isn't it curious that most times in a church, the pathway of discipleship, in other words, that just means the pathway of somebody growing is often charted out in a way that makes it, uh, tries to make it this uh, straight path. This, you know, just really simple linear growth. And so, you know, you become a Christian and then you go to a new believers class and you learn all kinds of things about theology and the Bible. You know, you learn about the Trinity, you learn about uh, the atonement, you learn about evangelism and how to share your faith. All really, really good things. You learn all those things, right? And then if you're you're around long enough and you pass that class, you get through that class, then you're on to uh, more discipleship classes, Maybe there's like a 101 class on on basic theology. And then there's like this theology 201. And now I'm going a little deeper, systematic theology 2. And now uh, I move a little deeper. And and if I keep going, I just keep climbing that little chart. And it's, it's really neat. It's really easy to figure out where do I fit in? Where do I go? What do I do? It it makes uh, the organizers and uh, the OCD people among us go, that is so, that is just wonderful. It's a great little pathway. I love it. Just, just right up the chart. And then if you're really good, you know what? It, it culminates in you going to, like I did, like to Bible college and then maybe to seminary and maybe like Pastor Kirk, you even get a doctorate and uh, you, just, you just keep growing. And boy, that's maturity when I get up there. And then I look at that path and I start to live my life and I trust Jesus and I become a Christian. I learn some of these things, but really I don't care so much about the Trinity right now. I care about how do I get rid of my old life and those sinful habits? And um, what do I do with my friends now that I'm a Christian? And uh, I look at, oh boy, that's a big ramp for me to climb. Okay, I'll, here I go, first step. And then I fall off the cliff. Oh man, I'm never gonna make it up there. Psh, forget this, I'm done growing. Has that been your experience at all? You feel like, I, I, that's where I should be. I know where, and then you just, you're heaped up with guilt because I never attain it. I never make it there. Well, why is it that as a church, if we know that our spiritual growth is the big mess, trajectory overall is upward by God's grace, then why is it that we plan for this perfect ascent sometimes in our discipleship with Sunday school classes and with all these, you know, all these methodologies we started to ask that question a few years ago. 
And we said, well, what really makes the most sense in someone's growth? Because we don't grow linearly, excuse me. So, So how do we program as a church for the way we actually grow? Does that make sense? Are you with me? Well, you start to think about it and... Really, there are two times in your life, not like two total, but two different times of life, like situations in life that repeat themselves, where you grow. And this isn't something that's original with me. This is uh, from a pastor of another E-Free Church out in California. His name's Larry Osborne. Uh, He has this book called Sticky Church. There's an extra one if you want one. You can come grab it. Um, But he talks about two times that we grow. Do you know what they are? There's two, two, basically two times. See if you agree with this. When you really grow spiritually, the first time is this. The first time is a need-to-know moment. A need-to-know moment. See, um, here's what I mean by that. A need-to-know moment are those when you need to know God's viewpoint on something. You, you need to know it right now because you've never dealt with it before. You, you need to figure this out. For instance... Uh, your brother calls, okay? Let me give you some need-to-know moments. See if you've had any like this in your life. Your brother calls. He wants to introduce you to some people he's been meeting with. And you're like, yeah, that'd be great. Bring them over. Let's get together. And they come over, and you find out that uh, it's a group of Jehovah's Witnesses. And they bring copies over of the Watchtower, and they want to tell you about what they believe. Well, suddenly now... Uh, that class from three years ago on the deity of Jesus Christ and the one from a year and a half ago on the Trinity, suddenly I really need that. <laughs> and uh, I need to know, so I start diving into those things. It's not as dry as it was then. Or uh, maybe your son and daughter comes home and tells you that they're thinking about moving in with their significant other. Suddenly you find yourself searching the scripture to see what God's word really says about cohabitation and marriage. You need to know. Last week you didn't care, but today you need to know. That's a moment where you're going to grow. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. How about uh, your friend at work invites you to attend their wedding? But this, this friend is uh, involved in a homosexual lifestyle and it's a, it's a gay wedding. And uh, you love them. They're your friend. Uh, they're kind. You work with them. You, you really, truly care about them. But what does the Bible say about this? Suddenly, I'm in God's word and I need to know. By the way, that's a topic for Doctrine Wednesday in the spring. If you're curious about that, you can come learn. Um, see, and these need-to-know moments, I don't know about you, but I've never had one schedule itself on my calendar. I've never gotten an email with an invite that says, hey, next Tuesday, be ready um, because uh, the whole topic of divorce is coming your way. What are you going to do with it? I, I, never, I never have that. Have you? If you get those emails, forward them to me if you get mine because I, I, that'd be helpful. But in those moments, man, you need to know. You got to figure this out. There's a topic you need to know God's viewpoint on. And it wasn't the topic from the Sunday message or from Sunday school or from whatever else was going on. Now, there's a second time that you need, that you will grow spiritually. That's one, when you need to know. The second time that I believe that all of us tend to grow spiritually is when we need to grow. When we need to grow. Now, this is a lot like a need-to-know moment, but it's uh, accompanied usually with some kind of a tough trial or a stretching experience. 
It might be the death of a loved one. What do I do? Is God really in this? Does he really care? I need to grow to know him. It might be a devastating diagnosis. It might be a new job with a boss who's a jerk. It might be a sudden or just not so sudden financial mess. And I need to grow through this. I just, I have to. It's basically the same as a need to know moment, but it's like, it's heavier because there's some kind of a trial or consequence involved with it. Now I would contend to you that, that each of these two ways are the ways that everybody grows. Those are the two moments when you grow spiritually. Think about it. Think back through your life. When you really grow, it's almost always in a need to know or need to grow moment. Would you agree? Am I out to lunch? Anybody with me? See, so why does our discipleship path oftentimes in, in a church take this linear straight path that, you know, you go to this class, you go to this class, you go through this program, you do this, you do this, and then you achieve maturity. And the whole idea is that you're banking up all of this spiritual knowledge to just pull it out of the hat when you need it. But for, I don't know about you, but my brain doesn't work that way. My heart doesn't work that way. Like I can't just store it up and pull it out when I need it. Now, and I hope that doesn't discourage you that your pastor can't even do that. But that's just, that's how I grow. I grow in these need to know and need to grow moments. See, the problem with a linear discipleship model is that um, when, when we say that growth follows this path, people are not attracted as much to growing to know Jesus as they are. They, they think growing spiritually is attending a program. And we think the only way I'm going to grow spiritually is if I have that program. I can't believe you took that away from me. I'm never going to grow again. That's so not true. That's just not true. But, but what do we do? So how do we shape things for people to grow organically? Well, there's two things in those need to know and need to grow moments that if you do grow in those moments, I, I'm, I'm guessing there were two things present. The first is God's word. Now think of it like this. Uh, so if you're going to, when you face these need to know moments or these need to grow moments, here's the idea. Uh, we want you to be Velcroed to two things, two things. One is God's word. We, we want you to be Velcroed to it so that when a need to know moment comes, I've been in the word enough that I can, uh, at least if nothing else, I can search Google. I can find my way around it and, and find out what I need to know, need to know. Right? You're Velcroed to God's word. The other thing is you need to be Velcroed to other Christians. Because guess what? Their squiggly line on the chart is a little different than yours. God's trying to teach us all the same things, but he seldom teaches them to us in the same order. So when I hit this trial, this need to grow moment, chances are there's somebody else, if I'm Velcroed to other Christians, there's somebody else that I know who's also been through that trial and they can say, here's how you get through it. God is good. Let me walk through it with you. You need both of those things. See, because if you only have God's word, then you're just an island with a bunch of knowledge, but the reality is your heart will tend to get bitter. And if you're only Velcroed to other people, but not God's word, then you could be twisted and swayed all kinds of different directions by different opinions, like Job's friends tried to do to him. You need both. You need both. So where do you find these two ingredients 
for when you hit need to know and need to grow moments. Well, um, in terms of our programming, we wiped a lot of stuff out a few years ago and we slowly put in a few pieces here and there again. But, but we said, you know what? The best place, because we believe, I believe with all my heart, this is how we grow. The best place for you to connect if you're going to grow spiritually to maturity is in a place where you're glued to God's word and you're glued to other Christians. And that's in a 110 community group or a fancy way to say a small group. A small group of believers where you're studying God's word together, you're Velcroed to his word, and you're doing life together. You're just, sometimes you just go out to dinner together, but you're in relationship with other people so that when the trial hits, you've got somebody to go to and you've got a source of hope. You've got to have those two things because they don't schedule themselves. Whereas if I just go to my class every week and I do this every week, chances are... I'm not going to be as well known as I would be in a small group. I'm, I'm maybe not going to open the word for myself like I would in a small group. I'm just going to hear what somebody else is teaching me about it. And we just, we, now, not that those other ways are wrong or, not, or bad. Hear me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we think this is best. We think this is best. So what, what is a 110 group? Well, it's, it's, it's the name we give to our small groups, and it's, it comes from Colossians chapter 1. Verse, guess what verse? 10. Actually, it's 9 and 10, but that was a mouthful. So we just said 110. So check this out. Verses 9 and 10 of Colossians 1. And so, Paul writes, from the day we heard, we haven't ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, that you would grow. So that whenever those need to know, need to grow moments hit, you'll know what to do. You'll have all spiritual wisdom of God's will. And understanding, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, if back to our pathway, if gather is primarily about being here on a Sunday morning, grow is primarily connecting in a small group, connecting in a 110 group. Have you ever noticed that our schedule is pretty light around here? I've already said that a few times, but we don't have a ton of things on the calendar week to week. Most of it happens on Sunday. And the reason for that is we want to take away every excuse you have not to be in a 110 group. You can't say, well, I'd be in a 110, but I've got uh, this activity Tuesday, and I've got this activity at the church Wednesday, and this activity at the church Friday. That leaves Monday and Thursday. And every other Monday I have a, a meeting for work, and so that leaves Thursday. And, yeah, I'm just too busy. If we really believe this is best, and we do, And we're saying, listen, we're going to say no to a lot of good things for what's best. And now if you can, Kirk's going to know where I'm going with this. When when somebody comes in and we got, I got this new idea for a ministry. Can we do it? Like, that sounds great. And my first question every time to Kirk or Dan, whoever it is, I say, okay, but does that interfere with somebody being involved in a 110 group? And if it does... Because we believe that's the best way to grow. We're going to either say, okay, we need to modify it somehow so it fits with our philosophy of 110 groups. Or we need to just say no, even though it's a really good thing and it sounds awesome. That's why. Because we really believe this is best. We'll say no to many good things to say yes to 110 groups. So what I want to do the rest of our time here, I want to look with you at uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, verses 42 through 47, and I want to explore what a healthy small group looks like. 
See, one of the pushbacks that you'll get uh, from somebody uh, sometimes when you start talking about um, a, a group or a small group is, well, if small groups are so great, why don't I see them in the Bible? Better yet, why don't I see them commanded in the Bible? Like, why didn't Paul write, uh, have your church service and then make sure you get involved in a small group? Do all this unto the glory of the Lord. I, he didn't write that, did he? Well, you know what? I, I guess here's the answer. He didn't have to. Think about the early church. It's a group of people who are persecuted. It's a group of people who are socially outcast. Most of them didn't have much money. They weren't able to, to, to buy a facility. Uh, the exception to that were some of the Jewish Christians who began to outnumber the other Jews in their synagogue, and they took over the synagogue. But for the most part, they all were small groups, and they met in homes. And intrinsically, they had these things uh, that, are, that are elements of a healthy small group that helped them grow in their need-to-know and need-to-grow moments. But today, so much has changed. Like, they didn't have transportation, right? They didn't hop in the car and, and, and drive 30 miles to work every day. Uh, they didn't hop in a plane and, and fly for business, you know, four hours away for a week and come back. Everything was local. Everything was close together. So it was just, it was just their culture. Well, our culture's changed. It's just not like that anymore. It doesn't work that way. Because some people say, well, if, if, if small groups, if house, house churches were good enough for the New Testament, they ought to be good enough for us, right? That's what we should do. Well, I, you, you miss something, though. And that, that's the fact that, that that assumes that those churches never grew. And they grew. They grew a lot. You and I are a result of their growth. And uh, they didn't stay there forever. And so, but they had elements of growth that were just intrinsic to the, their makeup. And so what we're trying to say is we're, we're introducing small groups. We want you to be in a small group because we just think that's the best way. Gathering is really good, but, but if you really want to grow, you've got to get connected on your own to God's word and to other Christians. So let's look at how this took place in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts chapter 2, if... Uh, uh, you uh, know your New Testament. If you don't, that's okay. I'll try to explain it here. In Acts chapter 2 is when the church was born. Jesus had ascended, and he told his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And when he comes on you in power, obey him. Listen to what he says. Do what he says. And basically what happens then is the church is born. And that all happens. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2. It's called the day of Pentecost. Well, after all this, Peter preaches a good sermon. Lots of people, over 3,000 people become Christians that first day. And uh, it says in verse 42, here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came, among, came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I want to show you four things that, that created health in this young church and I think creates health in a small group, in a 110 group. All right, see if you have these in your group. Number one is sharing, sharing. Verse 42 through, 42 through 44, we see this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to, to fellowship, 
to breaking bread, to, to praying, to, to praying, to praying, to the prayers. And awe came among every came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together, and they had all things in common. See, in a, in a healthy small group, what happens is you share about your life. You share what's going on. You open up a little bit more. Now, it, it may take some time if you're new to a small group to get acquainted with people. Sometimes it can take a year or two, honestly, before you really start to open up and share. But over time, those relationships will grow deeper and you'll feel more comfortable. And, and here's the big reason we do small groups is... Um, in a larger group, I'm not as apt to share and open up. Are you? As I might be in a small group? I mean, think about it. Most people just don't open up and share about their lives with other people. Unless you're an extreme extrovert, then you're weird. But most of us don't do that. If you're weird, you're cool. I wish I could be more like that. But you're weird, and we love you. But most people just don't function that way. Um, most people are really slow to do this. And by virtue of their size, their makeup, their location, a small group allows over time for people to do that. Um, think about it for a second. Where would you be more likely to be open and honest? In a living room or in a classroom? Would you be more likely to be open and honest with a group of 10 to 12 people or a group of 35 people? Would, um, would you be more likely uh, to open up where there's always different people in and out or where it's a group where you already know everyone? And the majority of us would choose the living room, the group of 10, and the common faces. That's just that's how we are. And so that's what a small group helps provide is that opportunity for you to share. You know, that's why many of them meet in homes. But by the way, some of them, as you know, there's a handful of groups. You can talk to some people if you want to, like to Landon and Dan and uh, the Lechleitners and others. So they, they have more kids in their group than they do adults when they all meet. So there's many groups that have begun meeting here at the church, and we're working on getting some more soft furniture to make it more like a living room environment to meet here. But basically so their kids don't destroy their house. And they have to really go after Acts 2.42 and sell all their possessions and give to one another. Um, <laughs> But that's, that's where you're going to share. So in a healthy, all that to say, in a healthy group, there's going to be a meaningful sharing. And that's going to grow over time. The second thing is study. Look at verses 42 and 46. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They worshiped together. They studied together. A 110 group is a place where you're going to study God's word together. Now, ideally, one of the things that happens is we have what we call sermon-based 110 groups, right? That's, you ever noticed in your notes there's this thing called 110 homework? Now, the idea with that, and not every group does it, and that's okay, um, but the idea is that what you're learning on a Sunday morning, you would study something similar, not usually the same passage, but a similar passage, on the same topic, and what I learned Sunday would be drawn out into the week, into my life. Rather than some traditional models where uh, when I was growing up, you know, I had, I had church on Sunday morning, then I had something else Sunday night, and then I had a Bible study in the middle of the week, and all of them were different. And so when you asked me Friday what I learned this week, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you any of them. But we're trying to draw that out into the week. 
Now, sometimes you're going to hit a need to know or a need to grow moment in your group. And you're going to go, you know what? We want to study this topic for a while. Great. Go do it. Some groups just don't like to be told what to do. That's okay too. But the idea is that you're in God's word together. You're studying God's word. Amen. You're sharing and you're studying. The third is support. Each week we're going to learn how to take care of one another as Christ commanded. So this includes praying, listening, meeting needs, encouraging, even challenging one another as it's needed. See, look at verses 44 and 45. All who believed were together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They're supporting one another. And then finally, the the fourth pillar of a healthy 110 group is uh, service and mission. See, the reality is when a church gets above 70, 80 people, to do one big outreach event where we all go together to do it. By the way, we were about that size on day one, I think, right? Like 70 people on the first day. So we haven't really ever been that, that size. Um, we've got to figure out, we can't get all of us herded together to go do something. So what's a good way for you to serve? Well, do it as a 110 group. Find out, is there a meal coming up at the church where we can all go serve? Is there something in the community where we can all go serve? Some of you have gone like to the food bank or uh, soup kitchens, or maybe uh, some have gone and grilled hot dogs for one of the, the kids' baseball teams in their small group to develop relationships with the parents. Go serve somewhere in the church or outside of the church. Go serve. So service and mission is, is another key piece. That's what a healthy group looks like. And... Uh, as, as we close, uh, again, uh, today's a unique time, right? We're not necessarily totally diving deep into God's word. We're casting vision. We're saying, here's what it looks like. You can go study more in Acts chapter 2 and in your 110 group in Colossians 1, 9, and 10 this week. But let me challenge you. If, are, are you involved in a 110 group? Man, I, I, I'd love for you to be. If we got everybody involved, by the way, too, you know what else we're going to need? We're going to need more people to lead 110 groups. And by God's grace, I think that's going to happen over time over the coming months and years. So maybe God would be preparing you to lead a group. And the, the whole 110 questions help facilitate that. Because one, um, you have 45 minutes of prep every week simply by attending the worship service or listening to the podcast. And you know whoever's there did too. They don't, because isn't it true like any other Bible study, like, I don't know about you, but I would like fill out my questions as they were answering the one before it. And so I was just like one question ahead sometimes. But, but at least with this, you know, you get some kind of prep here and then everybody's got about 45 minutes of prep going in. Um, but anyway, I'll let Sam ramble a little bit. Get involved. Let me encourage you. Next Sunday, there's going to be opportunity for you to actually sign up and connect in a small group. And if we have uh, more people sign up than we have groups available, we're going to figure out a way to start some new groups. And, but, but listen... We want to see that a priority for you so that you get Velcroed to the Bible and to other Christians. Now, before I, before I stop, though, uh, you need to know that that's not the only way and the only thing you can connect to to grow. You got your bulletin with you? I don't, I don't have one. Somebody, uh, mine's empty. You got a bulletin, Jake? You're my hero. Did you steal stuff out of it yet? boy. You weren't taking notes? Come on. <laughs> There you go. No, if you, if you look in here, though, there's a, there's a ministry calendar of some of this stuff uh, going on this year. And there's a few things missing, like uh, there's a fall, pick, or fall, what's the word, Karina, around Halloween? The fall festival? 
Yeah, what, yeah, trunk or treat. What day is it? What? 30th of October. So I didn't put that on there. I forgot that. But here's what you're going to see. There's all of our Doctrine Wednesdays are scheduled. Those are times where you can come and learn and grow. Um, uh, Thrive, new ministry for women is coming. And all of those dates are there. And, and kind of what that's going to include. They're going to be studying the book of Ruth this year. There's also still a women's Bible study on Monday mornings. You can connect with ladies. Uh, men, uh, uh, we're moving beyond just having breakfast on Saturday mornings. But once a month, there's going to be a, a Bible study and times of prayer and growing together. I'd invite you to come and join us for those. Look for other men's events, some rec ministry. You're like, uh, what's this whole wiffle ball thing? Well, we want you to connect to God's word, get Velcro to that. But we also need you to get Velcro to other people so that when those need to know, need to grow moments hit, you've got somebody to do life with. And uh, so for rec ministry, one, we just want to have fun and do some things together and connect with one another. So we're going to try it. It may totally flop. I don't think it will, though. Josh is doing a good job getting stuff around. But it's an adult wiffle ball league. Are you ready for this? So we're going to set up some wiffle ball uh, fields over here in the grass, and they'll be up for about a month. People see them as they drive by. And uh, it's, it's men and women. It's not too competitive. We're going to draft teams so that we don't get all the super competitive people one team taking everybody out. And, um, yeah, just come and play. And, and really, you know what would be great is if you use it as an opportunity to, to connect with somebody you work with, maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, and you say, hey, what are you doing this week? these next four weeks. Why don't you come play wiffle ball on my team? They're like, wiffle ball? You guys are weird. Yeah, we're really weird. Come hang out with us. It's awesome. And, and come play. We're going to see if we're going to try it, see if it works. You can sign up and the connect desk cost is five bucks. And I think it's going to include a t-shirt. We're still working on that, but yeah, get signed up. Invite somebody to come. Uh, Turkey bowl. We play football on uh, Thanksgiving morning. We're looking at the possibility of a summer golf league next summer. You're like, what does any of this have to do with church? What well, has to do with you connecting with other Christians and getting Velcroed to other believers. That's the idea, right? It may sound frilly, but it's intentional. Uh, Then we're going to have some weekend seminars coming up. One that's for sure on the calendar right now. I'd really encourage you, especially if you're a business leader of some sort, um, maybe you'd invite your team. But Friday, February 23rd, 8.30 to 4 p.m. You're going to hear a lot more about this. You can start signing up in November. Um, But work is worship. We're going to be having a series after the new year connecting. What is it? Why does my work life matter to God? Why does what I do, whether I, I lead a business or I work on the line or whatever that is, does my work really matter to God? The answer is absolutely it does. And so we're going to explore that and we're going to culminate that with a seminar. It's going to be simulcast. We'll have some live teaching, other simulcast teaching. Cost is $25 for that. It includes lunch. Um, there's going to be some prayer and worship gatherings uh, that will be on the calendar, uh, at least one yet this fall. Uh, Salt Company, you got uh, some of their dates there for a high school ministry, junior and senior high school. Impact, all the dates that they're meeting. They just meet three Sundays a month. Uh, some of their events. Uh, one thing, I did get Winter Blitz on there for Salt Company, so their winter retreat. Well, we see kids, tells you a little bit about that, and then a little bit about our 110 community groups. And so if you're like, well, we don't do anything. Dude, there's two full pages of stuff. Get connected somewhere. Grow. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray. We're going to take our offering. Then we're going to sing and call it a morning. Let me pray. Uh, Father, thanks for Jesus and for your grace to us as a church. Uh, Lord, I pray for myself and for each one here. You'd help us to be intentional about our spiritual growth. Um, that we'd be intentional about gathering on a Sunday morning. Um, 
whether we're here or even if we're on vacation in another church. And then we'd be intentional about connecting somewhere where we're growing, hopefully in a 110 group. Um, uh, maybe in addition to that or, or just on its own in, in Doctrine Wednesdays and uh, some of the rec ministry. Uh, Holy Spirit, would you grow us as your people uh, so that we're prepared uh, with, with Christian friends and with your word when those need to know and need to grow moments hit? Um, pray to you, you'd begin even this week to stir our hearts and challenge us as next Sunday we talk about going and uh, really serving somewhere and doing something with our faith. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray all of this through him. Amen.